Hey guys, it's uh, John and Jake on the road in the um, on the way back from the Snake River PRS match. In the Escalade. In the Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, uh, it's been a few weeks. We did uh, after the George General Hunter. Uh, I went to, I shot the Colorado General Hunter and then went to the California match that Jake and Dan Bertichini ran. Um, it was an incredible venue and we got horrible weather conditions. And then we came back and we drove over the Snake River match. Brian Neese and Seth Howard put on. They do great match and uh we'll talk about it gonna catch up a little bit so how you been freaking awesome just uh getting over a little cold so i've got it you guys might be able to hear it so you might uh you might say that i may may or may not have given it to you yeah you got sick at the match for not sleeping and freezing and then (laughs) now we all have it well i think i think i got it from a car mate on the way down there from Portland, Oregon, who will remain nameless. We'll let, leave her name out. We'll leave her name out. Um, in the spirit of an, <laughs> in, in the spirit of an anonymity. So mm-hmm. I think that's the right word. Anyway, so yeah. Um, so a few matches. Um, you yep. shot Colorado. Colorado Interrail Hunter put on by, it was a Burris, sponsored by Burris. Dorgan Trostel put it on, a good a friend of ours. Uh, haven't seen him as much the last few years, but he's got a bunch of kids. Super good dude. And it's uh, flew into Denver. Took a flew out with a buddy from from Washington. It's getting into Interrail Hunter, and uh, I don't know east of Denver, hour and a half. I kind of I think it was east, and uh, it was a pretty straightforward match. It was uh, kind of a unique deal where the the venue didn't allow really for hidden targets. So you just kind of walk, stand with your. You, we'd all would just stand with our backs to everything. And there's a lot of snow on the ground. There's not much vegetation. It's kind of that just like just rolling and nothing. So kind of a unique experience. Um, real straightforward. I don't have a lot to say about it. It was just a really straightforward match um, that I was able to. I, I won light. Uh, I got overall in, the dub. in light, which is which is always nice. Um, but I don't have a ton to say about it. Uh, Josh Clough got first and heavy. Good buddy. Was able to shoot with him from HS Precision. Just a good friend over the years. So that was fun catching up with some people I don't normally see. Met some new faces. Uh, kind of a different crowd, the Interrail Hunter crowd, which is it's fun, more hunting style, as we've talked about. But um, Dorgan did a great job with, with the land that he's got there. Uh, just kind of a, just a different kind of uh, – ideally, you've got mountains and hills and valleys and – areas to make things blind and hide targets and trees and vegetation and this didn't have much of that but you know he uh made do with what he could do and a lot of guys out there a lot of guys had a lot of fun so that was it was fun he did a good job well ran well was organized. it cold it was cold um yeah it was chilly um i bought my i bought my uh after the georgia match he told me about those little cheesy amazon heated vests and i bought one i actually have it on right now is it awesome freaking love it so wore that out there it was nice because the able to fire the battery pack up and maybe wear a little less layers than you would so you're not quite as bundled up trying to move around and shoot so although i still pretty bundled up i think it was shoot i can't remember how cold it was on sunday morning we're driving out but it was chilly it was uh i want to say single digits but i can't remember exactly so i don't want to exaggerate but it was cold maybe teens you can exaggerate okay just do it it was negative 42 nice anyway um uh one pro tip Guys running sky pods happened to this match, super snowy and wet. Um, 
make sure you dry them out Friday night or Saturday night, Sunday night. Uh, my Skypod was froze solid. And I didn't even think about it until I got to a stage where I needed it. I couldn't get it to uh, <laughs> couldn't pull the legs out on the clock. So dry your legs out if they're wet before a cold night. They, yeah. they freeze up real easy. Um, just I just I clean dry them off. Spray a little dry lube on them <laughs> if I'm at home. As it, it's only an issue on when it get particularly wet and then a real cold night. So just a pro tip. I saw a handful of guys. We actually broke a couple loose. I broke my loose this morning. I was running a double pull all weekend and uh, had to break it loose. A couple other guys in the squad. Not a big deal. Just keep it in mind before you start that first stage of the match on a, after a cold day. So. Pro tips 101 from Pinchinator. There you go. Um, anyway, then, yeah, still came back and then went down to, you, you were down there setting up with Dan. You want to talk about that, the location and everything? Yeah, so we were down at the 360 Ranch in um, Arbuckle, California. Uh, it's 10,000 acres, and it has the adjoining 16,500 acres. So it's about 26,000 um, acres. Really, really cool spot. The, mm. the views are breathtaking and mm. awesome. Lots of of cliffs and hills and mountains and um it's just a full northern california branch um makes you like california that's saying something uh, and that's really saying something <laughs> so we went down there um set it up uh we uh, dan and i leased the the ranch uh for the event we ran the event which was the mdt uh hunter challenge um, big props to MDT for sponsoring um, that event. We, we uh, definitely could not do it without them and their support, and so we really, really appreciate that. And, yep. and I think the shooters in general just appreciate the opportunity to shoot in a venue like that. Um, it costs us a bunch of money to, to rent it, um, and so we are... We're very thankful to be able to do it at that um, at that avenue. But mm-hmm. kind of opposite of some other places, it's... You know, you can put, you're shooting through trees and you're shooting down canyons and in valleys and, you know, high angle. You're, you're doing all sorts of different stuff that this venue um, offers. Which, I feel like how many unique PRS matches could you run there? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I could. 20. I mean, you don't even, it'd be so, it's giant. Yeah, we should. I mean, I, I'm going to probably talk. Um, you know, to the PRS and Ken and, and talk to about running a national event over there probably next year and seeing seeing what's possible. You know, the weather's pretty good in that area for a, for a large uh, portion of the year. It does get hot in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, the winter times are pretty mild. It still doesn't really snow except for this one exception <laughs> for the 15-year snow that we had. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll all the locals were so excited because it was snowing. We're like, like it never snows here like perfect yeah and so part of you know part of the whole thing is that we're we're able to do this you know for the shooters and just try to set up a really really dynamic course of fire um and this one was nrl hunters so typically they're all blind well dan and i were out there um i i drove out friday saturday we were setting up early on sunday and the idea was was that we can get everything set up and we were going to go along a road which from start to finish was about five miles and so there's a little bit there's a there's a, this is a lot of property guys like it's a big piece well we we set everything up we were busting our butt getting targets hiked in and we had to hike a lot on foot and buggies and just trying to you know make it a sweet course of fire and so um, we did that basically for a few days, 
uh, multiple days. And then we got everything set up, got our signs set up, got everything that we had going on pretty much accomplished. Um, we did, Dan and I held a NRL hunter style training on Thursday and the guys absolutely loved it. Um, you know, we just uh, were very thankful that they were able to come out. We had a full class, sold it out really quick. Cool. And um, <clears throat> and then and then it all went to hell in a handbasket after that. <laughs> so everything was just peachy keen until uh, until that moment. Till Thursday until Thursday night. Thursday night. Well, about Thursday about dinner time. Yep. So we go back. Oh we gosh. get that's our, when we were driving down from Oregon. It was unreal. It was absolutely just. So we, we Dan so Dan and myself and a guy named Joe and Travis and Brittany were all sitting in the lodge. So this place that we're on has like a eight thousand square foot lodge, a nine thousand square foot house. It's got all sorts of different kind of amenities that are right there. Well we're up at the lodge, because um, that's where we're staying. And we're waiting for uh, John and Matt and their wives and um, you know, some other people to kinda come in. Uh, on Thursday night because they were going to get ready to shoot on Friday. Um, And they were going to be there late, maybe 9 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, We started off, we said, hey, let's go down to dinner. Let's go into town. We just had a great day. Let's just cap it off with a good meal. Um, And so we went down in there. And 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 by you mean down, it's a... Yeah, is it sorry. a 20, 30-minute drive down from the it's all on dirt roads, ranch yeah. estate at the top of this mountain, down these dirt roads, down to the pavement, which there's a big cas- new casino there, the restaurants and everything else? Yep, that's right. So we were going to that casino. We go down. Everything's dry. Everything's fine. Well, we're in there eating dinner, and we knew it was going to rain <laughs> or sprinkle, but they said on the forecast two-tenths of an inch. So we get out uh, of the of dinner, and we went to dinner kind of late. I would say it was probably, you know, 7.30 or, or 8 by the time we were doing that because we had a full day of, of working. And we get down there, and we get out of dinner. It's absolutely pouring, like just dumping rain. And we're like, what is going on? So we're like, well, we better get back up to the lodge and, you know, get all, all of our stuff is up there. I'm in my street clothes. Dan's in his street clothes. We leave all of our gear at the lodge. Our side, you know, everything's up at the lodge. My side by side is down at the, at my target trailer, so which was another disaster. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we go up there. We get stuck. We can't make it up the road. It's all clay, and when this clay gets wet, it's like there's no bottom to it. You just spin and spin and spin, and there's nothing you could do to get up any hill. There's really nothing anyone can do, and so. Man, I tell you what, it was it was incredible. So we went back to the casino. We uh, stayed there trying to come up with a game plan, trying to figure it out. We ended up going back around to the lodge. And then after we, or, or not the lodge, to the shooting area, well, long story short, it was a d- disaster. And I slept in the truck. Um, <laughs> you know, so, that I, night. Was, so we're driving, I'll cut off. We're driving down. We got a truck full. Going over the passes, so I-5, for the years you guys that don't know, it runs from Canada to Mexico through Seattle and Portland and L.A. It goes the whole length of the, the north and south of the country. So we're driving down from our house up by Portland. Portland at this point is completely shut down. All the flights are done. It's snowing like crazy. We're driving down snow the whole way, early, um, early Thursday. It takes all day. We get over Siskiyou Pass. They close it right behind us. Uh, closed for a couple days which is on i-5 which is i-5 the main stinking highway and um 
that closes behind us as the snow. We get just down into Redding. It's raining like. Did it? Did someone told me it rained three inches in like two hours, but I don't know it if it was, was that much. No, it I been, mean it might have been because it was raining hard. It was a couple inches. It was unbelievable the amount of rain, and um, and that was all snow in the mountains. Uh, anyway, so we we're rolling in about midnight on the last turn trying to get to this casino because we know we can't get anywhere right when we get there and then, I, then we pass you guys and i was like where are you going you're like we're gonna try to make it and we're going the other way <laughs> which is 45 minutes around an hour anyway that's when that you guys went out and then that's when you got stuck overnight and couldn't get up there yeah so we were stuck so we there's two entrances into the ranch both are very primitive dirt roads um which are clay roads basically it's all kind of clay in that area which provides for nice green you know stuff because that clay keeps the moisture so well but you know, so we're trying to go in the opposite way um, because we went down the well, we went down the back way. We're trying to come in the other way, but it was just too bad we couldn't make it. So someone, uh, Joe, says, "Hey, I just want to take the side by side. I'm gonna go up to lodge. I'll meet you guys back here in the morning." And I didn't think he was gonna make it up there. It turned out that he also now <laughs> realizes that he was not that he could not make it up there. So he has my side by side and he's it's stuck on the top of some mountain on the way over he walks rest he has a late night well we st- we about by one, the, he, that's one in the morning it's two in the morning, in the morning. he's up there one thirty in the morning and i say hey look you, you got to text me when you get up there i know it's about a half hour to get up there in decent roads so it's like now one thirty. it's now 2 30 he hasn't texted me yet I think it was like 2.46, hour and 15 minutes later. He texts me like, hey, I made it to the top of the hill by the range, um, but I'm stuck. And I'm walking <laughs> to the lodge. I was like, oh, geez. So he, he's, got the, he's got my machine stuck somewhere doing something, and I don't know what is going on. I still have not fallen asleep. Long story, I'm trying to sleep in a truck. Well, <laughs> I couldn't sleep in the truck, and so I try to go to the trailer and put a cot out. But it was like 20-something degrees and snowing. And blowing. And blowing hard. like you would not believe. Blowing so hard. I go over there. I can't find my all my propane bottles are empty. It was like, are you joking me? <laughs> so I try to lay down the cot. I have one sweatshirt as a blanket. So I wrap it around my legs. I, but keep in mind, I'm in my city slicker clothes because we just went to dinner. <laughs> it's just I, I'm, I'm not prepared. And if I, oh, had, my, if I had my kafaru puffy and pants, I could just go to sleep. Like, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah, we're uh, in California. That's why I brought my wife. Matt brought was like, hey, let's bring the wife. So it'll be a great time up at the lodge. It's gorgeous. Worst. I don't know. We've had some bad weather at matches this year, and that might have been the worst. It was absolutely just It was horrible. So it rained on Thursday night. It absolutely just came down hard and then it turned into snow and now there's like inches of snow on the ground in california and we are we are on the struggle bus um and so we we just did the best we could so uh, yeah now at this point travis's van is stuck on top with all the prize table stuff all the practice score all the video all the fo- photo stuff every, everything everything's in the van um dan's, dan's foreigners up, up there all our stage paperwork uh joe's truck is up there stuck Side by sides are up there stuck. Can't you can't get there, let alone get down. Yeah. And so now we're doing the mat anyway. So it, you guys, you made it work. So yeah. So you know, really, what we what we just Dan and I sat down. We said, okay, this is ridiculous. We already understand this. <laughs> um, so let's uh, 
let's just hammer out the best possible situation. What can we do? We decided to run the ROs because on Friday we run the ROs through all the stages. We had uh, 19 or we had 17 stages set up ready to rock and roll. And so we said, hey, look, let's just run 12 stages. We can get all these guys through 12 stages. We knew Saturday was going to be cloudy but dry weather. And so we said, gosh, it's going to be nasty. It's going to be muddy. It rained all day Friday, all day. It rained all day Friday night. And then about 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, it stopped raining. I said, I said, okay, perfect. So we ran the shooters through the same 12 stages that the ROs went through uh, on Friday. The ROs had a, just a heck of a time. It was snow and it was sideways. They had wide out. They had rain. They couldn't see. And the farther and farther you go Hence up the, the hill. the problem with ROs every day. <laughs> and look at this. Last podcast, guys, we just talked about this. We just want to be fair. We, we, we just talked about it. It went the other way where the ROs had good weather last time. Guess what? This was still not fair. It's still not the best situation. I don't even know what the right situation is. I just know this is screwed up. We're gonna leave. We're gonna live with it through the season. We're, we're just gonna, trying to. We're, we're just trying to fix the finale. That's I, all. I have a couple ideas, but no one yeah. likes them. It's, just, <laughs> it, it's okay. So we're trying to just go finale. Everyone shoots the same thing on the finale. We'll yeah. work through it through the season because it's a good good idea. We don't need we we beat that drum. We we did. So anyway, we ran through. Um, it actually turned out really great on Saturday. The weather was good. Everyone loved it. There were some really, really cool courses of fire and great stages. Uh, it's breath. It's breath. It's. it's I don't awesome want to say breathtaking, there. but it's 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 top. Your Telluride match was probably the best match ever run, location wise. And then, just the whole thing. But yeah. it was just incredible. Um, this 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 is, is not Telluride, feel, but it's got that it's got it that, that epic feel. That's these, right. It's just it's awesome. If, if you guys. If you get whatever next match, you need to go there. It's a fun. Hopefully, we won't, we won't deal with what we deal with normally. Normally, ninety-five for ninety-eight percent of the time, they haven't got snow in fifteen years. So there's that. It was just a bad, a bad situation. It just happened on the day of my match. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. So we we ran through it. Um, humble brag for John. John kicked everyone's butt and won. Um, yeah, I he, won. He was in a dog <laughs> battle, but but <laughs> he did close. win and he kept with it. I shot a Tika, which was fun. He so. shot a Tika factory rifle, yeah. and he won the whole thing with factory. So it was fun. Kudos, my man. Props yeah, to you. Good it job. It was good. I shot my buddy that came to uh, Colorado match was shooting that Tika. He's shooting factory this year. He's just getting into it. And I needed. I wanted factory when I'm chasing the. I want to win overall a match overall match with each class light heavy factory, and then and then win a team match. And then, uh, so I needed to shoot factory. So I asked Ryan, I said, hey, do you, you mind if we swap guns at one of these? And he's like, oh, he's a little hesitant because he likes shooting factory. But he's like, he, he did it. And so he brought me down ammo. I was a little worried he wasn't going to show up because they got stuck in that I-5 closure. I'd take a six-hour detour um, around these different highways and kind of backtrack and work their way down. So he got there late Friday night. We swapped guns. I handed him mine, ammo. Mine, I said, mine's hammering. And he goes, mine's shooting pretty good. He goes, it's a little slow, but it shoots really good. And it, and it did. And, um, and yeah, I hung on to it by one. We, I, was, I got, you know, a few things went my way. Jacob Reister was burning it down and had a, it was, a, uh, there was a couple stages, the muddiest stage I've ever shot in my life by a <laughs> giant margin. Not even close <laughs> it was to so anything bad. I've ever shot. It, was so, it looked like a pig pen in there is what it, it looked was, like. It was, I'm not even, it was the it was muddiest the I've ever seen. Anyway, yeah. 
Luckily for me, Jacob was shooting arc mags, and they don't like... Well, they don't really like much of anything, but no. they got dirty. and What they don't like is to feed. Yeah, they don't like to feed, and, and it bit him. And so Jacob has been a fun guy. I shot next to him, next squad this time. And just shout out to Jacob for being a good dude. Yeah, he's a good um, shooter, man. He's been I'm excited shoot, for him. shooting great. And he dropped a, those mags, cost him some points, and probably we were tied. Well, that's not true. We were tied for overall, and he dropped into – he got first light, but dropped into third overall. So – um, shot really good, uh, good dude. So I just shout out to him. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Rusty shot shot well. Was one back on me and got got light got uh, winning heavy. We shot great. Um, but it was fun. It was weird. You know, it was a good venue. Um, so a couple of pro tips um, that I was watching because I, I was not in the mud. I was driving side by side and I was trying to your home people. shuttle people back and forth so they didn't have to walk a couple miles to get from from uh, you know the end back up the loop and so. But what I noticed is that, and I try to do the exact same thing, but what I really noticed is that the people that were doing well really have great gear management, keeping their stuff out of the mud, (laughs) using their elbows to dip down in the mud and not their hands. Well, why not their hands? Well, you don't want to dip your hands in the mud because then you grab your mag, you grab your rifle, you grab your trigger, your dial and your scope, and everything is muddy. So it's okay if your chest gets muddy. It's okay if your legs get muddy. It's okay if your elbows get muddy. Man, you got to try to keep those hands clean because it controls everything. Yeah, there was a prone stages that, like I said, were as bad as they get. And guys were, you know, four different prone positions in this three to four inches of this clay, frozen mud, snow, water, runoff mix. And, and instead of, like, when you go prone and break your shot, some guys would just put, plant their hands in the mud and, like, do a push-up to get up. And you're just caked. Then you grab that gun. There's mud packed everywhere. So 100%. We saw some of those and we're laughing pretty good. Yeah, but you know what? Part of it is they don't know, but also part of it is they haven't experienced equipment malfunction that comes with that. And as soon as you ingrain that in your head, like, okay, I got DQ'd because I got trigger, I got mud in my trigger, or Mm -hmm. I I got it all over my glass in the middle of a stage. As soon as you do something like that, it's like a light switch. Okay, I'm never going to do that again. Yep. And some of the guys that were really on top of it, you know, you and and Matt and Rusty, those yeah, guys. Yeah, anyone with experience. You guys, you guys do a really good job of keeping your stuff. Se- no, everything's dirty. Try I get it. To. We but were wrapping our game changers. We've been wrapping our game changers in like pack covers and sealing them up because it's hard to explain how much mud it was. But just try to keep. Anything you can do to keep stuff clean. And That's right. And a lot of guys know that, but just, a, yeah, absolutely. A good tip just on keeping your stuff dry and clean. And then uh, a lot of guys run in scope caps, and you get into moisture. Scope, maybe some of you guys love them. I hate them. I've had like, too I many like hunts where they've been closed. And, you know, this is a long time ago. I learned my lesson when I was young. But have your scope cap caps on because it's raining, and then you pop them open to make a quick shot on a deer whatever you're hunting, and you can't see anything because you're fogged to the hill. And I grew up in western Washington, western Oregon, where it rains and it's it's pretty wet. And so that even happened today with some some guys that were one, one guy got a two on a stage. I won't say who, but uh, you can say it. It was Jacob, a buddy who shoot in front of us, and uh, he's like, "Dude, he goes, I popped my caps open up right when the clock started, fogged up. Couldn't I'm like, see nothing. Oh. Yeah, and it caught. It was on a tough stage that you you had to you know pick your targets and move and and it, anyway. So just little things like that you learn the hard way. Um, yeah. 
So I had but, a question, and, and this is this is directed towards both of us, but they asked. Um, we were talking a little bit about ranging uh, in the last episode, and they asked, uh, what is your technique on ranging a very hard-to-range target? Um, mm-hmm. And so they had That's asked good. you about it. You know, what's, yep. what's your answer, and then, and then I'll go. Uh, oh, boy. I mean, one, you got to know your rangefinder. Um, I don't why know. Is that? I don't know if I've ever had a rangefinder where the laser is in the center of the circle. Exactly. So figure out where your laser is. Um, and I, how do you do that? I do that. I have a telephone pole that's um, it's only 200 yards away. This little skinny telephone pole along my driveway, and so I start out off the right side of it quite a ways, and I start ranging the field behind it's you know four or five hundred yards, and the tip of the telephone pole is 215. And I click over, click over, click over till it hits the left side, and I go to the right side, and I click over, click over till it hits. I kind of see if it's far left or far right, and then I go above it, and I go down, down, down till I hit. And then if I if I need to go up, I got to find something else to go up to. But you can kind of by process process of elimination start to do that. You can't do that at 800 yards because your beam divergence is too big. And so, what are you trying to figure out? Where the laser is hitting in my reticle. Exactly. So I've had. Like my Zeiss, the laser would hit at 1 o'clock in, on my circle. So the round circle that you're, most people put their target in the middle, you 1 o'clock. So figure that out. That's maybe even more advanced. Could have started that later, but figure that out. Two, I see guys doing this all the time in Colorado. Where we were in Colorado, it was pretty flat. So you got a lot of, you got a lot of targets with holes drilled above them on the way back behind up on this hill because people aim at the target on the top of the T-post, and they're not hitting the target. You're not going to, rarely you're going to hit a target at six, 700 yards unless you've got like a Vector or a Plurf 10 or some high-end Vectronics. Maybe you're going to hit those targets a little more, but you're not going to hit the target. You're going to hit the hill behind it. Especially the, <laughs> dude, this is going to be a long one. Uh, Rangefinders have, not all of them, but a lot of them have first target, last target, best target, etc. Fog mode, SIGs have fog mode and different things. So if you're on last target, part, part of that laser is going to hit that target, and most of the laser is going to hit the ground behind it. It's going to give you the furthest back number that the software sees That's if right. you have it set on last target. If you have it on first target, um, ideally, it's going to pick up. It's going to range something at 460, and it's going to get something at 495, which is the ground behind it. And hopefully, it gives you that 460. But those are all things you guys got to go out and play with your rangefinder. It's it's really, it's get to know your rangefinder. And when you can see the base of the T-post, shoot the base of the T-post, don't shoot the target. That's right. There's no reason to ever range at the target. If you cannot, these are the worst case scenario, and it's all, it happens in the flat matches. Now, the worst I've seen it was last year when Matt and I went down to the Oklahoma match. There was some, some T-posts, this big, flat, like 800-yard thing, kind of rolled, and there was four targets. I could get range on, let's see, two of them, base of T-post. The other two, I couldn't see the base of T-post. I could just see the top, knowing there's a lot below there. I'm ranging the hill in front of it. It's 70 yards in front of what I think the target is. This is, a, this is just a guess. The hill behind it's 150 yards, before, and so I've got this giant window, and so that's the worst case scenario where you just got to do a process of elimination, process of elimination, range in front, range in back. If you can hit the target, great. A lot of times, what you can do is first thing I'll do is I'll range behind the target, and then I'll work up and try to get a shorter range on steel. If you if you, if, if you range a hill at 500 yards, 
and the target's in front of it. And then you just start pinging at the target, pinging at the target, and you get 500, 500, 500. And all of a sudden, you get a 430. Well, now you know you hit your target. It's a 430. Love it. So, I mean, there's a, that's a lot of different things. A lot, some of that's yeah, common that sense. Yeah, that was a lot of info. <laughs> but, yeah, but I see so many guys thinking their rangefinders hitting targets. They're not. Your rangefinder is not a gun. It's a shotgun. It's not a rifle. It's a shotgun. Okay. So there's a term called beam divergence, and every rangefinder has a measurement, usually in mills, of beam divergence. My old, I've said this before. My old Swarovskis back in the day were a uh, six-foot circle at 1,000 yards. That's how big the divergence was. My Vectronics PLRF, PL, PLRF-10 was a foot and a half tall and three feet wide at 1,000 yards. That's the difference in laser technology, and that was a long time ago. Beam divergence getting better. SIG's got one of the best lasers out right now. The 10K is amazing. I've been running the Swaro EL ranges a lot, but we've done well with the Leicas. You run the Leicas and have done well. We ran the Zeisses a long time. Uh, I think some guys are liking the Vortex. There's a lot of good options. Um, Loophole doesn't have ballistics yet, and I do recommend having ballistics for this. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll let them out, but there's aim at the base of the T post, figure out where your laser's at, go out and play around the field with it uh, at your house, off the clock. And that'll go a long ways to getting good dope. Yep, love it. So my mine is 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 similar, um, but my but but I think my uh, my process is a little bit simpler, just because I'm a simpler guy and I don't <laughs> right. I don't do some of that stuff. Yep. So I do the exact same thing. I find a telephone pole and I find out where on my circle, which which my uh, my Leica Geovids have a circle on them, and I also want to get a pair of the Swaros. But my Leica has a circle, and so I will start left of it and right of it and high of it, and I'll see where on my circle is that laser um, compared to where I think it is. It's, it's not in the center. It's usually not in the center of the circle. It's usually on a side or something. For me, mm-hmm. i got to put that left circle on the left side of the target. If I put the left circle, if the circle on the left side of the target, I can get a pretty good reading on that. But I mm-hmm. typically start high. And I go scan mode, which for me, I just hold that button down. Mm -hmm. And then I go to that back of the, let's just call it the back forest. I go to the back forest. I ping it at 600 yards. I know my target is in front of that forest. So that tells me that I know the target is not at 600 yards. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I still have that button pressed down and it's pinging 600, 601, 600, 601. And then I will slowly go down now I'm keeping the, the circle on the left side of the target, and I will slowly go down to the target. And then I will just wait, and I, you, this is where you got to be patient. It's slightly slower. It might take three, four, five seconds to mm-hmm. accomplish this. It's not super, super, super fast, but usually it gives you a really good range. And so I'll go down on the left side of that target, and I'll just go very, very slow while I'm scan mode. And basically, scan mode is a laser shot every second. So it's just boom, 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 or maybe two a second, something like that. Because when you just press your laser once, it it sends a laser out, and then it, it reflects off whatever it's shooting, and it returns back to the rangefinder, and that's what gives it its distance. Well, in scan mode, it does it every second. It's boom, boom, boom. And so now you're, uh, you're, a range, you're ranging every second. Um, and so I'll just go straight down to that target nice and slow until I reach that number. I already know it's not 600. 
and then I'm looking at the target. Now I finally get a 565. Oh, perfect. Now I know it's 565. I'll write that down. Now, I that's that's for those really hard to range mm-hmm. targets. Um, if you can ever range, like John said, if you can ever range that darn T post, the base of it, that's like the foolproof way to get a really yeah, accurate you're one quick and done. range. One and done. Just yep. You just you 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 put it on the the base of that. And I just put it right on the middle of the T-post because it's quick and yep. easy, and I know it's going to be yep. within a yard or two, right? And so you just put it right on that thing, and you scan it, and you write it down. Now, a couple things that I do um, and that I also teach in the NRL Hunter classes is there's different rangefinders have different lag times on their, on their ballistics. So some of them are ultra fast. Um, name a couple really fast ones, John. Swaro is ridiculous. Swaro is fast. Zeiss is pretty fast. Zeiss is fast. We used your Leicas a little bit this this week, and I was shocked how slow they were. They, honestly, they're okay. really, really now, slow. Now I, I didn't tell you to name the slow ones yet, but okay. now you just did. I like Leicas, but they are slow. <laughs> um, okay, so the Leicas are slow. Sig, I've been super impressed with the Sig, and I will say the Sig. One cool feature the Sig has, the 10Ks, is if your reticle, your laser isn't centered, you can actually move the reticle on the 10K to center up. It's pretty cool. You go in the app, yeah, and you so can cool. move it up and down, left and right five pixels, and up and down five pixels. So I'm actually like a pixel off still all the way max, but I've got it just about dead center. So um, that's a cool feature. I just threw yep. that out there. for not, not the best glass right now, but the best ballistic. The best, They got AB. It's the best laser. I was ranging. What did I range Friday morning? What did I say, 4,800? <laughs> I think it was like 6,400 or 50, something stupid. I don't know. It was a long way. It was like, it, what? Yeah, because I ranged 42 at the house, and it was over 5,000. I can't yeah, remember what it was. Yeah, you had something just gnarly. So yeah. anyway... Part of what I do is all these rangefinders have a different lag time. Some of them are slower, some of them are faster. So what I do is I range it. It tells me the distance. Okay, now I take my finger off of the range um, button and I have to wait a couple seconds. I would say it's a one one thousand. It's probably two full seconds. You're- Disclaimer to like it. Yours are not the pros. They're the older ones. 3,200. I'm getting the new pros pretty soon, hopefully. Just Uh, Hint, hint, Ryan Trinka. Throw that out there. Okay, so anyway, uh, I have a couple seconds. Well, what I do is I don't ever want that to be wasted time. So I was teaching this in the class because a lot of other people had these Leicas as well. You can take that two seconds, look at a couple landmarks. And really start to memorize your targets. How many times do you see people, they find them in the binos, they write it down, they get in their rifle, and then what are they doing? They go back to the binos because they have to find the target. 100%. One of the really cool things with that time is you can have the reference and you can get landmarks, which then makes your shooting a little bit more familiar because you know exactly where stuff is. Um, And so you can do that, obviously. That's not, that's not a built-in reason why that why it does that. It's just a slow system, and that's <laughs> you may okay. May as well use it. <laughs> yeah, but you got it. You might as well use it. And I think that it that for that that's going to help you guys find those targets. For with, sure. With NRL Hunter, man, you got to have landmarks because you can get lost in where these targets are at because you're literally only looking at them for one full second. That's it. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. That's one thing I've had to really work on. Is my I, I'm generally one of my strong suits. I'm pretty good at. Uh, remember where targets are, landmark, point in the gun, shooting, and I get carried away, especially on a four-target stage where I'm, I see it, okay, go, find the next one, okay, find it, find it, and I'll get back, I'm like, I never naked-eyed my landmarks, 
some matches is not a big deal. Other matches, it's real tough. Like the some of the San Diego ma- the, the San Diego PRS match. Actually, Interim Hunter is going on right now. A year ago, I, I missed it. I wanted to go to it, but I was at this PRS match. But a year ago, there were some stages there where I found some targets and went to the gun. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. So you'll know you'll know on the harder matches where you really need to make those landmarks. That's a definite something I'm working on too. And some of that is experience. I, I'm not as as talented as you guys at finding targets. That's something I, I need to practice. I try to hit more targets than anyone, but you still <laughs> got to find them to hit them. So it's that's the, you know, that's that's the big thing. And and so you, you guys have a giant advantage there. Not giant. Well, stop. you guys have a giant advantage. <laughs> yes, you do. You got to find those dang targets. Mm. So anyway, that's just a couple pro tips for you guys for NRL Hunter. Let's transition to uh, to kind of PRS. We just the big leagues. <laughs> Yeah. I would I would say yeah I would say it is a it is a step up in shooting for sure 100 percent PRS is the, where the best shooters are there's no interrail hunter is a fun thing it's a it's a different thing I love it it's a different thing it tests more skills it's fun because it's blind all the wins on your own you're not sitting there running kestrel from every angle you don't have time to do all that so it's a pretty instinctive fun fun shooting PRS is I don't know dr- Formula One it's drag racing it's PGA it's the all right. <coughs> We're back. Uh, batteries died, so we're just on the recorder in the road. So swapped them out. Um, anyway, talking PRS, I was just saying, it's just a different, <clears throat> it's just a different caliber. It's just, it's just straight pure shooting, and that's right. Super accurate guns. I mean, they went twenty plus pound of the most accurate calibers, and just have a lot of respect for. Um, <laughs> what was that? I think it was a deer and the. I don't know. It's like a split in half deer on the road. Oh, no, we almost hit it. Someone blew anyway, it. Anyway, so we this is my first PRS match. Um, I shot four last spring a year ago, and then I shot the Hornady PRC in June, I think, and then that was my last PRS match I've shot. I went to was hunting, and was kind of done. So this was a I knew it was going to be a wake up call, uh, warm up, get back into it. Kind of been anxious to get back into it, so it was really fun. Um, Jake, it's been a, been a little bit for you. September, yeah. September, so. Last week, August, first week what, of September. What match was that? That was a lead farm match in September. Oh, one day? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 two days. Two days, yeah, yeah, I did yeah, win, yeah. yeah. Attaboy. Um, speaking of lead farm, we'll get to that. Um, Boys can shoot. Yeah, they can. Um, it, so we're at um, Snake River. What's it? Snake River PRS. Yep. Put on by Lone. Was it Lone Peak? <clears throat> yep, Lone Peak. Lone Peak title sponsor. Mike and Mike and Brian. Thank you, Mike and Brian, for the awesome burritos and the support. Yeah, it was cool. Good dudes. Um, so uh, drove down. I drove over Thursday. Uh, Jake's like, do you want to drive over Thursday? I was because I was going to come over Friday because it's my drive to match. I'm about eight hours away from from this one, which is nice. So drove over late Thursday, and we're gonna we shot a little bit Friday morning at a range uh, that <laughs> that Jake set up just kind of like five six hundred practice did some drills and I was like and I was very thankful we did yeah that was nice the rust was coming off quick but it was thick so took a few runs and started okay okay I could still I could still still run this gun a little bit and so we got our stuff set up and uh, uh, drove over signed in Friday you shot a little bit I didn't shoot any I didn't have enough ammo it was pretty good round count two oh nine or Yep. Right around 210 rounds, which is fun. It's been a lot of. It seems like there's been a lot of 170, 60. 180 round, 160 round PRS matches, and I like the higher round count. I think I love it, especially when they're good rounds. Like, we'll get to it, but 
really well done match. So yeah. anyway, then Airbnb Friday night, early Saturday, we come out and take a talk about it for a bit. You know, I, I um, this is this is also a drive-to match for me. We uh, John and I don't have many. We have a couple that are within ten hours, and this is one of them. So we tried to make it work. We we mm-hmm. we can't always make it work because sometimes schedules conflict. But it, it sure is nice to be able to drive to an event that is within ten hours uh, because it. It's a. Seems it's a so <laughs> costly to jump on a plane and rental cars and yeah. hotels, yeah. and you know we're still staying in a hotel. But the, you know, really, the rental car and the yeah. all the stuff and some of these matches are three, four hours away from an airport. So not only are you, you know, like when we went down to Georgia, we fly into Atlanta and we still got a three and a half hour drive to get down to the to the range, and yeah. so that's it's just it it really nice. creates. An awesome opportunity for 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 everyone that's local to be able to shoot them, and we don't have many opportunities up here, so we are very very thankful for those. And I will say that uh, um, so this this match, Seth Howard and Brian Neese, uh, they are two great shooters in their own right, uh, and they really really know how to challenge shooters and make a dynamic course of fire. That is just completely fair all the way around, in my opinion. Um, Producing good, and so it's just really, it's just great. I, I wish, and I'm talking to everyone in the country. I wish everyone could experience the level of of court, you know, the lever, the dynamic courses of fire. I've shot a lot of matches. Every single stage. I've shot it, a lot of matches. Obviously, yeah. since 2012 or whenever I started, the last 10, 11 years. Um, you know, of hundreds of matches. Mm. And I tell you what, there's a giant difference in a dynamic course of fire and a ho-hum course of fire. And some people don't even realize it because all they've shot is the ho-hum courses of fire. Um, and, and, you know, and I guess by ho-hum, I'm just saying simpler, easier. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of... I guess I'll just talk about the, 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 the bonuses of this course of fire, and I won't go into anything else. But yep. I think this is, you know, there's a lot of targets, lots of targets. I would say the average targets was three on a stage. Rarely did you shoot less than three. It's three, four, five. Sometimes it's... But with every three-target stage, you didn't just shoot three rounds at A, three rounds no, at B, and never. three rounds at C. It was, never. It was one, position one was one at two, and one at one, and two at two, and you move positions, and you'd go two at two, and one at three, and then you'd go one at three, and two at two, and yeah. different positions in different orders. So you're dialing. Sometimes it's one position, one, two, three, four targets. Move again, one, two, three, four. A lot of 12-round, just, you know, 10, 12-dial stages, and back and forth, and left, right, centers, and near and far and middle and just every mix up of it was never just three shots on this target three shots on this target three shots on this no, target. no that's boring so, so if you do run a match like that just realize that's boring so don't do that <laughs> so part i of just wish th- i wish they could you you run a good match but these ones these are some of the best matches i've shot yeah they're great and they're absolutely great. i just wish i almost like want an md class because it's not it's not like 
it, it's not like match directors are, are being lazy. I just don't. Some people have never shot matches like this. Yeah, and they just don't know. You just don't know. They you don't, don't know, know what you don't know until you realize, like, we, you can't. The only stage you went to that you didn't put much thought into was a PRS barricade because we all know it. And you got you know have your tiebreaker. But every stage you'd walk up and you'd be like rehearsing in your head. Okay, here for this. Here for this. It wasn't overly complicated and silly, but it was straightforward. But you had to think. And it was easy to make mental mistakes. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you could. It just gave you the opportunity. So every stage you had to think and plan, which, which was fun. It keeps you on your toes for the entire match. And, and I think part of it is that there was, there was some good movement. Now, out in this area, yeah. there's a lot of rocks. And so they have a lot of natural barricades, a lot of natural shooting positions. There's a big boulder field. Yeah, it's, it's like a, there's just a bunch of boulders and big rocks. And so it was a really cool opportunity to be able to do that. And they, they have a lot of stuff like that, which is really nice. Um, you know, for, for them to be able to do a stage that's you shoot off a tractor tire, at target one, two, three, four, and five, two shots each. They would <laughs> never do that because no. that's just not a dynamic stage. That's a very boring stage, and you have your position. And so you didn't stay in the same position for multiple shots. You just don't. You might take a couple shots, and then you move to another rock. There was you take maybe a couple shots, two stages move. that we stayed in one position, but you're shooting all different targets, different orders, and... But out of all of them, or long range, and they weren't off. They weren't prone. They were off these goofy rocks and stuff. Too. Big, so, big rocks, and so you're shooting yeah. off bags, or you got to figure out a clever way to try to incorporate a, a bipod or whatever it is. So, guys, uh, Seth and Seth and Brian, props to you guys. Mm-hmm. I have a little beef with you, but for course of fire yeah. stuff, <laughs> man, great job. You guys, job. you guys really knocked it out of the park, and yep. you guys continue to do that, and that's why. I think you guys have the numbers that you do and you guys have the following that you do because it's challenging yet fair and it's just a really fun best matches in the country. It's just a fun course of fire. Um, and they get venues. Their venues are always sick. Like we got to talk about it wasn't the hardest stage but was it stage 1 big swing? Two. Yeah, but there was another one too up on the other side that was also a big swing. Where 180 we degrees, super easy, <laughs> giant sheep. Yeah, that was 180 degrees. We, we shot a couple, big. couple 180 degree stages. The unique thing about one, I don't know if uh, where it's along the Snake River and there's these breaks. So there's these sheer cliff walls that are one to 200 feet tall, and then they then where it hits soil, it's real steep down, and then it gets into the valley floor. So we're right at the valley at the base of that steep. So this one stage, you shoot off this rock, your first target. They rappelled over the top of the cliff, hammer drilled a hole into this piece of rock <laughs> on the sheer cliff while they're hanging from, they they hooked a winch to the truck, lowered the guy down with a climbing harness. I think it was a belt. Um, it was like a leather, it was like a leather belt, like from, a, like a Stinson leather belt. <laughs> Maybe not that. that. That's how awesome these guys are. <laughs> it was a good belt with a D-ring, but it was belt. Anyway, Brian repels over the edge. Seth lets him down with a winch is what I've heard. Hammer drills this T-post in and hangs it hangs an Ipsic straight up in the air. It's just way up high. And then you turned 180 degrees down the cliff face, and they did the same thing on the other end. And then you went straight down to the ground and shot a coyote 180 degrees back to another coyote and then back up to the top of the cliff face. It was a relatively straightforward stage. But super cool. Yeah, like, really, really fun. Just fun to watch. Fun to shoot. It was like fun to watch, fun to shoot. And you, you also have to realize too that when you get and, and I, I like a square range as well because I, I like those challenges as well. But when you fit when you when you have the wind after your first shot or even your first stage, 
you, the wind's the same the entire day. It seems like, and you're yeah. like, oh well, it's been it's been three to five miles an hour from the three o'clock all day long. Yep. It's not like that when you're shooting 180 degrees because you really have to. Every stage has a little bit different angle. Yep. Every stage is going to have a different wind. Um, obviously, there's different distances. Uh, for this, there was different angles. We were shooting, you know, at a 15, 16 degree angle, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you're still got to get you your look at and, it. You still got to jack your head up and get your muzzle way in the air. Yeah. And then they did uh, another cool thing we've talked about. Not a lot of matchmakers have done. They did some big small stuff, which was kind of cool. It wasn't crazy ranges, but they did a they did a stage where they had these uh, T hangers, T post up. Big, bigger circle on the left, probably a six inch, and maybe a two or three inch on the right, and then you move the next. It was different positions, you know, big circle, small circle. You can only shoot at this. You had two shots per rack. You can only shoot the small circle if you hit the big circle first. You miss the big circle, reengage it, get a hit, go to the next rack. If you hit the big circle first time, go to the small. Nice thing they had some. The plates were able to twist. They weren't fixed hangers, so you could read plate read a little better as far as hitting left or right. Take that over to the small circle. So it allowed. You know, more advanced shooters, a lot of beginners to get hits on the big ones, and then advanced shooters try to hit these little tiny ones, and they were small, um, but it was cool. that was kind of cool. Yeah, um, I, think I thought they a, did it well, and it's a really good way. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to come across arrogant by saying this or cocky, but it's a really good well, way. I'm going to. Here we go. No, I'm not. No, I'm, <laughs> no, not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm kidding. It. I'm, I know, I know. But so, like, when I look at that stage, I'm like, okay, I can try to hit some of these targets that I don't think other people can hit, yep. and I think that's going to separate me. Yep. But if it's two shots from a position, and it's the same 10-inch round target at 400 yards, everybody hits well, it. then everybody hits it, and it doesn't take a lot of talent to hit it. But if you can hit that first one, and then you got a, f- a four inch, which is a a, a two and a half MOA now to a one MOA, yep. and you got a four inch next to it at 400 yards, okay, either you got to really dial in and see exactly where that bullet's going on the big one to get good information for that small one, or you're just guessing. And I do think that that does help separate, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 mid pack or lower pack shooters. They're still having a great time because they're 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 shooting. But maybe there's 15 or 20 guys in the match that are really competitive and really want to have a an opportunity to 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 show off a little bit. They're gonna they're gonna be happy to go for that. And I really think that's a a great way to do. You should almost never just hit two targets. Boom boom like that. I mean, so I think hard. I think those days are are kind of over, and I think the talent level of that kind of dictates that those are over. So we should be doing big small on those instead of just big big. Yeah, and I appreciate Brian and Seth because they are shooters, and I think that's a huge thing about mass directors is they shot the course fire together on I think on Thursday, and you know prove they understand what's reasonable. You can't go you can't go a four inch target at eight hundred yards. You, 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 you no, kind of get that, that reasonable. Practical. You get that. You get the balance. It's hard. It is hard to make that balance, and 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 weather can dictate some issues off and on. But it, they just seem like they nailed it really good. I'm not trying to suck up to them. I like them. I told them they did a good job. No, I, I think, don't like either one of them. Yeah. So I'm not sucking up at all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just kidding. Love no, you guys. it was it was good. Um, they put big targets where we're appropriate, where you're doing, you know, 10 position moving or exactly. 12 rounds and you're moving back, moving every two shots on, you know, and just, just, they, they put the, the right size target on the, on the, um, 
you know, the big movement stages. And when you had a, a little bit of time, give you some small ones. And, man, they do – we had two-minute time frame, but it was – they used that, you pretty much used all of it on 95% of the stages. Yeah, and I think that's, that's important to realize is that you don't need ultra, ultra small targets – to make a match challenging, actually, I would say it's it's it's, it's kind of bad because it, yep. it it makes some stuff more lucky. Yep. Really, what you want is you want a good course of fire. Yep. You want something that challenges someone and that's fair. And and those two minute time limits, you know, there was there was really good shooters that timed out. I timed out. Yep. Um, I was right up against that a couple times. And so there's some really good shooters I that timed will, out on a nine round stage. John timed out with a round left on a nine-round stage. Yep. And so there's that's it, that's the exact point is that you can do stuff and make stages appropriate, challenging and fair, but they certainly are never boring and that's yep. and that's what these guys do a really good job at. It was fun. It was a good for me it was a fun uh I didn't. I shot. We didn't talk about the weather. <laughs> oh <laughs> can't, gosh! Can't, can't, get a, can't get a match. So uh, let's start shooting. Uh, if we start off, I had a pretty Saturday. Was uh, just ho hum. I, I started getting into a groove, and then we went to wide out snow. Ended up sitting in our cars for through two and a half, three hours. We stood out there for about what 30, 40 minutes, and then they said, "Okay, range cold. You guys can sit in your truck." We sat in our trucks for two hours. I think it was two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. And um, the initial goal was to shoot 12 on Saturday and 8 on Sunday. We ended up shooting, technically we shot 7 on Sunday. We barely made it through, too. And had to shoot it the rest of them dark. today yep, on, on Saturday. Dark. So that was, yeah, right at dark. Because we had to go, we started shooting again for like a little bit between a whiteout. Another snowstorm came. We went cold for another 30, 40 minutes. Snuck in a few more. And I just couldn't, I, I, I First stage didn't go great. Started getting on a roll, seeing stuff pretty good, shooting stuff pretty good. And then we go cold for three hours, and I come back to my first stage and just do some dumb, drop some easy shots. Just It was a 12-round stage. It was actually, that was a fast stage. Yeah, it, was, it was. It was a fast It was four positions. There was three, di- there was three diamonds. It was, I don't know what it was, three, four, five hundred or something. Then you had to shoot one, two, three on the first rock, move, and do it on four rocks, four different rocks down this thing. And we're they weren't bad positions but one of them it just it was a fast stage and i was cold and sat there for three hours and i just it, so, i yeah, gave up was, some easy points and then so kind of hit or miss for me you shot great on i'd say you shot pretty stinking good you had one <sighs> i had some mental mistakes you had a mental mistake um i had one too uh first stage i forgot to dial um on a target that was on that uh, on that big ipsic target which is Big. 99.9% hitting. Uh, I just forgot to dial, and that was—that's a mental mistake. I haven't shot for months, and so that's part of—that's part of that learning process. And and I need to go, and I need to to practice. And and John and I had a little bit of practice on Friday, but that was really the one of the few times I've yeah. I've practiced for a we long didn't time. Dial anything really? We just yeah, sat there. We, we just sat shot, there and shot a little um, bit, which was good. But yeah, there was a lot of dialing. <laughs> Yeah, so we did dial a lot at at this match, which is which is great. I think that's I it, that's it. good because you got to also figure out too: do I want to dial or do I want to hold? Yep. And that's part of the that's part of the gamemanship and trying to figure out how you're going to approach and attack the stage. Do mm-hmm. I want to? What do I want to do to try to get the most hits possible? Because mm-hmm. this is a this is an open 
category match. There are no, you know, there's no one that's worse than the other. You, you're just, you guys are all on the same level playing field, and you rock and roll. And so, it doesn't. I mean, you got to figure out how to get the most amount of hits. Yep. Um, and that's and that's it. So whether you're, you know, dialing or holding or using this equipment or that equipment, all that stuff doesn't even matter. Just just try to get the most amount of hits yep. um, because everyone attacks a little bit differently. John and I do things a little bit differently. Yep. Me and Joe Schmo does things a little bit differently and so on and so forth. So yep. um, it's just a really good opportunity. So I'm going to go back to the drawing board. I'm going to practice a little bit. I know a few things that I need to practice on. Mm-hmm. And so now that I've shot the match, which I shot pretty decent besides a couple of mental errors. Um, spoiler alert, uh, um, the Munns from Lead Farm, uh, uh, Spencer Munn and uh, their crew came all the way out. Uh, Spencer ended up winning the match. Um, got you by one point. He got me by a point, and it's his first national, uh, yep. his first national uh, two-day win. Props really, really happy for good him. Dude. Um, Super good guy. He shot great because I shot pretty spicy too. Besides yeah. a couple mental mistakes, yep. I shot pretty spicy, and so for. For, for all of that, um, when you shoot decent and someone beats you, then props to them. You know what I mean? It is yep. what it is. Yep. Uh, that being said, they threw out a stage, which was a, one of the tougher stages at the match. And I did good on that one. Uh, not it. a lot of other people were able to shoot it, which yeah. kind of stinks. Uh, that's just a match director a, gripe. Don't make homemade hangers, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> match director gripe. No, get no. some. So we got to throw a little crowd. We I were think, joking about it with him. So. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, you know he knows what we think of him. We, uh, we think of the, you know the world of, of both of those guys. So there's uh, there, there's really nothing we can say to hurt their feelings. But still, yep. you got you got to just put up stuff that's that's going to last all match, no matter what. Under <laughs> all that happened, they also had some bad luck. Like a T-post got shot in half at 800 yards, which that's generally doesn't happen. That, that's that is bad, bad luck. luck. So, but you can also go, you can go put that up and keep going. Yeah, Saturday was a mess. We had we had some we had the targets and the weather, and we just we shot all day long and shots shot eight stages. Some people yeah. shot seven. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. And so part of it is it was cold. And so when it's cold, you know, you have to be able to manage your gear and manage your stuff Mm -hmm. uh, appropriately so that you can keep rocking and rolling. I will say that I had this heated vest on and I had a little hand warmer pocket. Man, I was comfortable. Like there was there was there wasn't really a time where I was like, okay, I need to go get warm. I was just comfortable. And it was. This morning it was 14 degrees out when it we got cold, there. Yeah. It was cold and, and it was, was windy. It's like okay, it's it's cold when you get, you know, 10 miles an hour wind and 14 degree temps. What was it blowing yesterday? 15, 17? I think it was like 17. Yeah. Blowing hard, snowing hard. It was snowing hard, hard. Like when I was shooting, it, we right we went cold when I, I I was last shooter on that big stage. I was shooting. What was the Ipsic at, up top? 400 yards. Yeah. So was, and it, I, my last two shots were on that, and it whited out. And you're just like, whoa. Yep. I mean, it was snowing hard. It got to where you probably couldn't see 200 yards. Um, yeah. But, no, you shot good. You ended the day. You were nine. Were you nine down or seven T- down? Today? No, yesterday, Saturday. Yesterday I was uh, I was nine down. Today I was seven down. Yep. Um, and so, 
that's 16 is, uh, is what that is. And then Spencer was down 10 and 4 or 10 and 5 or something five. like that. Okay. okay. Gosh, he shot good. So props to him. Um, I tell you what, yep. you know, you don't really know where you're at these days. I, I'll, I'll say these days because everyone practices, everyone is great. Dude, the club level, we didn't have a, well, Not what really. the Muns are doing at Lead Farm is pretty impressive. They've got. We're in course and Piper shoots every match there's ever been made every weekend. He's they, great. They've got Nick He's Harper. Really good shooter. You got the Ricks and Spencer. Great. Obviously, Gardazzi, Jake Millard. You got. You got uh, I'm leaving people out. I know I am. There's a bunch of guys Sorry, I don't guys. even know. They're just you show up. You're like you're like I like we were driving back. I was like Jake, you shot spicy. I was eight down on Jake. I think I tied for ninth. So he had a 79. I had a 72. Not great. I did. I did some dumb stuff, but. Um, pulled together today and shot a little better but we were driving back i was like jake you shot spicy i was like but i you I, just never know i just i was like i don't know i just i was like i thought he had a pretty good chance i thought i was like man i'm eight back i maybe top 10 technically i was 11th i was on a three-way tie for ninth and i shot the slowest bs pierce barricade ever known ever oh, made. besides who you you're That's one right. second slower than me <laughs> we were I was getting, like I was getting blo- the kneeling position of the barricade good to go. I stood up and I was getting blown around so much. It took me. I shot it in seventy-seven seconds, trying to keep my reticle on the plate, not yeah. on a spot, it but was on the plate. So wobbly, just because, getting hammered from the wind. And the barricade was actually really solid. Pretty it was solid. a steel barricade. Yep. The problem was that it was snowing at the time we yep. shot it. It yep. was snowing. Yep. So not only are we getting snow pelting in our face, <laughs> the wind is well, the back, wind is yeah, coming at fourteen seven. 17 miles an hour and you just have a hard time you know you're trying to hold a spot you really have a hard time there's not that many times when you're when you're getting hammered but your body's actually moving that much like it doesn't happen that much during the year <laughs> it was happening sure was yeah but it absolutely was so we managed cleans but we took our sweet time in fact i believe spencer munn who won the match also got the fastest barricade time just about half of our time. <laughs> he shot in 40 seconds. Are you 42, kidding me? 42, yeah, with a pretty good run. Gosh, nice job, Spence. Yep, yep, so well. Spence and I so, have known each other for a long time. I'm ultra happy for, for him. Yeah, and props to him. I do, I do know that he also, he puts on courses of fire that are, like, just as dynamic. He doesn't have the undulation and the big uphills and downhill, but he puts on courses of fire that are, like, identical to what these guys do and so for whatever for whatever reason this mixes well with those guys because they do it all the time they design them they shoot them so um great great job yeah great job job. well i need to get to people are like you haven't been to lead farm i was like no i I was gone during their prs match and it's a drive for the one days but i gotta get over there because people just rave about and i feel like we're we've got a bunch of good shooters in the northwest i feel like for a while there wasn't very many it's five or six uh, pretty good guys. I feel like there's, I don't, I don't know. There's feel like there's a bunch of good yeah, guys. It's, it's fun. It's fun to watch. And, so and, and you it's know, motivating we, to get we after say it. that, but there's there's good shooters all over the all over oh, yeah. the country. Um, that's for sure. Like there's there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but it was fun. So uh, we shot good today. I felt good today. I I got had a couple onesie twosies, just slipping edge and getting eleven, and I had some good cleans. Um, I made a couple mistakes that were on me, just not making correct corrections. Um, that I should have read a plate better. I mean, 
and then which ended up causing a miss a shot or two later. So I've got some definitely some things to work on. I got to calm down. I'm a little shaky on barricades and stuff, but it's, it's been a while. I was motivating. I was feeling pretty beat down yesterday and today. I was like, all right, all right. I saw some stuff pretty good. Shot some good stages, and and uh, it's motivating to get some barrels broken and get after it. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was it was fun. I was. So shoot, fu- shoot with now, you. now that good. we're now that we're kind of rocking and rolling again, we're going to shoot some more matches. What yep. what are you? Uh, you were talking a little about practicing. What do you want to practice, and what can people practice just to get better? Because there's a lot of different stuff to practice. So yeah, just give is. a couple different I, things that you want to practice. I, yeah, I think it's real subjective, and every people have different strengths. Right now, um, I, I need to shoot bear. I need two things. I'd like to shoot. I need to shoot barricades, and I know I can brush my barricades up real quick because that was that was my wheelhouse for a while. So I'm gonna just knock the rust off the barricades. So if I just I'm not moving smooth, I'm not as solid as I used to be, and I and it was coming back even today. I think a, just a, a week of that will be fine. One thing I would really like to do is shoot. Um, I just hit the volume button a little bit. Um, I'd like to set up you know some small targets and just shoot prone and really work on C and trace. Um, and making corrections that, you know, I shoot to 600 at my house. And so for whatever reason, I kind of have this 600 and in feels real at home to me. Okay, I can do this. I do this all the time. But when you get to 7, 800, 1,000, 11, 1,200, I just don't ever shoot it except for matches. And so just to just to build my confidence level, just go out and shoot 7, 800, and 1,000, which a lot of guys can, you guys can do at your practice ranges. Um, so I that's a personal thing for me. It's you guys will kind of know what you need to work on. I think we've talked about this before. Shoot a match. Make notes in your match book of what, where you struggled, where you made mistakes. Um, I need to do that. I'd like to do a little tripod work. Um, <sighs> those are probably the main things. Knock the knock the dust off the barricades and 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 work on shooting some troop lines. I need to. That's my weakness. I mean, I, th- I think that's it. my weakness. No, that, so, and that's good. Yeah. And and part of this is being humble enough that that we know that we need some some work and and knowing that uh, no obviously John's got a bunch of national wins so he's going to he's going to you know spring back really really quick um from taking four or five months off of shooting so or at least a PRS type PRS shooting PRS is different than it it's different it's just it's not the same thing it's so. just different and so you get to the point where where you like that but there was a couple stages where we did really well because we were watching Trace and so yeah. You know, like that popper stage, there was a bunch of skyline poppers, and they were small. (laughs) And so we're shooting at these little three- and four-inch poppers at three, four hundred yards. They're not very big. And so, um, but they were skylined. And so if you miss, uh, you you just don't have no, if you don't see where your bullet goes, if you're not following Trace, you don't know where to hold. And so then it's just a random back-and-forth guess. It's a random guess. It's a random guess. And there was people in the squad that were asking me, okay, Jake, what's your thought? What are you going to do? And so my my initial answer was, well, you know, this first position, I'm really going to try to, to work hard at seeing where that bullet goes. So for me, that means watching the trace. And I knew, so on this position, uh, I was dialing one mil. And I know that my gun is going to recoil about half or 0.7. So uh, with that recoil, I know that the trace of the bullet is going to be just over the top of my reticle. And so on those first few shots, I really, really focused 
after the recoil settles down, the bullets may be at like 150 yards now. I don't have very much time to try to watch and see a bullet wake, but you have to try to see what happens. Because if you miss, you know, John and I are watching watching Trace, you know, on some of the other shooters before us. The Whoa. Trace was awesome. And we were like, good. there it is, there it is, there it is. It was awesome. But the shooters kept missing, kept missing, kept missing. 12-round stage, there was a lot of threes and fours. Yeah, and so, and so they would luck into three or four hits. And that's exactly the problem is that we don't want to do that. And so if you have that tool of being able to watch your trace in the tool bag, I'm not saying you do it on every stage. That's not what I'm saying. Because a lot of positions, they got a giant berm behind it, right? If you, if you ever got a berm behind it, yeah, you well, you it. don't even have to worry about it. You just yep. look at the target, look at the berm, yep. and it's yep. everything's easy. But yep. not everything's like that, especially out here in the West or in a place like Oklahoma where it's kind of flat. Yep. You don't know where stuff's going or whatever, right? Yep. If you know your if you know your data was on, you know your elevations are perfect, then it's just it's all a wind game and you're just picking your sides. Now what was we, tricky about this one was that we had a headwind and it was kept switching from eleven o'clock to one o'clock. So you can go so we weren't doing big it wasn't like we had a nine o'clock at ten miles an hour holding you know nope. five half mil or whatever. So we're going, okay, are we holding two tenths right or two tenths left? Are we holding just, but that little just, target was like a tenth and a half wide. The second, so yeah, so the second one was tiny. If you miss the target by a one-tenth wind call, you miss the target. Yep. And so it has to be dead on, and you just got to know it. Yeah, the head and the tail winds were tricky. We shot a fair bit of stages. We did. We shot 360, which was awesome. We shot all the way around, but shot a fair bit with headwinds and tailwinds, which was, depending on the target size, can be pretty tricky. That happened to be probably some of the smaller targets. For sure, the second one. Was the second and fourth were the smallest, but it was uh, yeah that is was that a good too one. small? You think you think that three inch at three hundred is too small? Uh, we I hit it, so I feel pretty I, good. I know you did. I'm just asking, like don't. in general. Um, it's getting close. I, I feel like it's too small personally. I think we did well on it. Um, we did well, so it's it feels good. I dropped one. Uh, I dropped one on the far one, and you cleaned it. Um, so obviously, when you shoot well, it's fine. But we know. Uh, one of the best shooters got a zero on the whole stage. Um, couldn't catch it, and 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 I think if I don't know what I, I I'm so happy with what they did. I don't want to criticize, but it wouldn't have been a terrible idea, I think, to drop one of those poppers just below skyline. So if you're getting zeros from the first position, at least at least you get one win call to learn off of to learn something. Like maybe the second target or second something. second target that was a tenth and a half wide. Maybe drop that down in the dirt. So if you, because because it was a headwind, so you don't know if you're missing left or right. So you miss, you miss. Okay, do you go further right and then further right and then go back to center and then further left and further left? Well, you only got two shots on it, so you can't. You get one more guess and then you're on to the next target and it snowballs. And I love it. I absolutely love skyline targets. <laughs> like really good at them. I <laughs> love it. And if I absolutely love it because there's a lot of people that just don't know how they haven't been taught they don't have practice they don't have the eyes for it there's 50 different reasons and you're not shooting off a bike i mean we were shooting we're shooting, we're shooting, off shooting, a bag. One, shooting one bag off rock yeah, so it's not like you're, off rock. it's not like you're on a bipod watching trace you're managing recoil i and, love it now i still think that target it. was a little small 
But even if it was a four-inch target skyline, didn't oh, it feel good when you hit it? Oh gosh, <laughs> I just had the the biggest half chub in the world. I was like, and yes. Then, then the old A tips were shining that sucker up like a just oh, like man. A, putting a white dot on it with a whiteout pen. There was a couple stages where I'm shooting the A tips and it, it shows up like a little silver sharpie. I was like, oh, there it is. It was funny when they show up and then when I, some of the targets, I think you'd see you wouldn't see anything, and then everyone's like, I wonder if it's the paint or what. I, I, well, there's no paint on anything, but oh, it was true. It had to be something. Anyway, it was every once in a while you'd see one, and I'd start laughing. I'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" There it is. Could not see it. Yeah. So. so I think that that's probably. I would say uh, you could have sunk the second target down below skyline. Yeah, and I, I still I, liked it. I <laughs> would disagree. I would say just make the target one inch bigger and keep them skyline, because that's a skill that they were testing. But do you they think they put the smaller on one that. second? Because they gave you a little bigger one to try to see where you hit on the first one and then make you pay on the second. Of course, yeah, of course. It, which, was, it was brilliant. Which is their thoughts going into it. I love it. Most guys aren't even thinking about that. But I started milling them. I was like, okay, first one's this big, and the second one is, Tiny. is that a tenth and a half? Maybe yep. two? It I, was, it was I don't know if it's two. I was like, it was pretty small. Yeah. So anyway, it was it was, it was was cool. But Love it. No, I love it. Well, no. that's great. So I think for me, for practice, yeah. I, I think one of the things that I – that I need to practice is my mental, my mental awareness pre-stage is what I really need to practice. And so for a long time, and, and I kind of got back into it today, which I didn't yesterday. So yesterday, the first day of the match, I haven't shot in a while. For whatever reason, I was just forgetting so many things. And so I would get up to the stage and then I was like, okay, yeah, you're right, I got to do this. And then I'm doing something else, and it's okay, yeah, I I should do this. But all those things I should have thought about before I even get up to the stage, which in my mind is all just mental awareness. So something that I'm going to challenge myself on Mm -hmm. and something that I'd recommend you guys challenge yourself on is when you got the course of fire, you got all your dope written down, look at the targets. When you look at the targets, don't ever just look at them. I want you to look at them and associate what your dial is going to be. So 2.3, that's the first target. Perfect. Now you go to the second target. You know when you're on the clock you have to dial to 3.3. Why not Why not just think about that before the stage? So then when you get on the stage, it's the second time you've done it. Mm-hmm. And that was the mistake that I made early yeah. on on Friday and I forgot to dial a couple times. Well, that cost me a couple shots, like a bunch of shots. And so by thinking about that, I was like, oh yeah. After I forgot to dial on that, I came back. I was like, oh yeah, that I screwed that one up. And why did I screw it up? Because I wasn't visualizing myself dialing. I wasn't visualizing my movements and so part of my part of my thing is i like to go slow i like to go smooth i like to to kind of go in in a moment of zen for for my you know for my entire course of fire but in order to do that you have to be mentally prepared of what you're going to do throughout the stage because Mm -hmm. if one thing goes wrong what happens to that Zen? It just goes out the window. <laughs> Goodbye. Because it, you're, you screw up, and now you're frantic. You missed a target, and you're like, okay, I forgot to dial. Well, am I now? Am I on the right target? I don't even know if I'm on the right target. Am I in the right position? Yeah. Did, did I need to move? Yep. All these things should really be thought about ahead of time, which I think can make 
you know, we 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 know that everyone's getting better, and hopefully, you guys can all take something to to try to beat us, to try to win a match, because we truly want to help the community, and so we're trying to teach you guys exactly what we do and how we train, and so that you guys can go out and just become better shooters. So that's mm-hmm. something I would truly recommend. Is I would recommend, hey, before the stage, spend your sixty seconds visualize what you're dialing, where you're looking, your landmarks, your targets. And so late uh, today, actually, we're shooting a pretty spicy stage where Mm -hmm. we got multiple targets. We have uh, five different positions. And so you start in position one, which is a rock. They're all rocks, but you start in position one, it's a rock. You shoot the high target, and then you shoot the low target. Mm -hmm. Well, it's on this cliff face. You can't see anything. And so John is back there, and he's like, there's a little white piece of snow. That's my focal point. I find that piece of snow, I find the target. And so he's walking behind, and and I'm watching him, and we're kind of doing it together. He's walking behind all these rocks. And he's spread out like 40 yards, 50 yards or so at every angle. Your reference is going to look a little different. Exactly. And and it's this this four-mile-long rock slide that's giant everything looks the same yeah that's right you can't there's no target there's no there's no target placards on these they're blended they're gray targets and gray rocks and broken snow everything looks the same and so as you transfer to a a new position let's just call it 10 yards to the left 10 yards to the left 10 yards to the left your vantage point is going to change the trees right in front of you aren't going to be in front of you anymore Mm -hmm. the rocks right in front of you they're going to be a different position and so you're kind of moving along it so so something you do is you get behind that position you're not on the position you're not touching the rock you're just kind of visualizing right behind the rock what that looks like you're like okay there's my snowbank and as long as you can find that little piece of snow the target's just to the right of it perfect now i know where that's at and so if you can do that at all the positions then when it's time to shoot everything is is should go in slow motion and everything should be familiar because you did it. Yep. Now, I will criticize John on that one. He hit a target. <laughs> this is one of my mistakes. This is one of his mental First mistakes. Shot. And he even, after the stage, he even said, yep, that Jake, that was a mental mistake. And we both knew it yeah, right then. So his very first shot, you know, the wind at that point was tricky. It was between two tenths and like seven tenths. And you couldn't really get a constant. A constant value on it. So up and what, down between shooters. Yeah, it's it was, just, it wasn't up and down. It was changing angles. It was just it was changing, doing. and it was crazy. So we're like, okay, we're gonna start at three tenths yep. or whatever John was doing. Um, I, I don't know. Strong quarter. Strong yeah, quarter. Tenths. So he shot a strong quarter, three tenths, and he uh, hit the very left hand side of the target, and it edge hit it. The target wiggled, kind of like it was like you hit it in the head. It doesn't wiggle a lot, but it wiggles yep. enough to know that you hit the steel. I saw it shimmy, and I it shimmy, and I didn't. <coughs> I think I don't think I didn't. I don't know. My, I moved a little bit more in the scope than I like, so I didn't. First off, I before I even shot, I wasn't ready. I mean, I was solid enough to shoot, but not solid enough to manage the recoil with my position on that first shot. So I shot. I saw the target wiggling, and I was like, I don't know where that bullet went. 
And so now I'm guessing, well, did I hit Did I hit right or did I hit left? <laughs> I don't know. So I'm spotting <laughs> behind him. I clearly see that he hits the left side of the target. No, I Spotter not. calls impact. No. And I was like, okay, now John knows exactly what he needs to do because yep. he's got a perfect line of where his bullet point went. Point three plus two, go to you point five. Go, yeah, <laughs> so he should be point five. Yep. Send it. Well, he he he. He didn't. He didn't correct. No, went back up to the big target, hit it. Thought it was pretty good. Yep. Came back down and slipped just off left. Just and off then of I it. saw it. I'm like, well, there it is. Yep. And so in my in my mind, I would consider that a mental mistake of not following through. Hundred percent. And so those little things, because because John hasn't shot in a little bit, usually that stuff comes natural and it comes instantaneously. Because he sh- he sh- shot five thousand rounds this year or whatever, yeah. And I so just on, and I knew it instantly, and you're like, and you you have that sinking feeling when you you guys know what I'm talking about. You shoot, and you don't know where a shot goes, or you hit, and you know it's just exactly. slammed an edge, and you you can't. You're like, was that left or right? Yeah. Sometimes it's clear as day, and other times your brain just is like. I hit it on the edge, and I don't know which one, which is not a good feeling. Yeah, exactly. Gotta, you either, either generally, I'll just do the same thing. If I don't know, I got a 50-50 of missing it. Send it again. Hopefully, I pick it up the second time. I sent it again and just slipped it off. So, yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, and, and I love it, too. And, and so part of that is is learning, continuing to get better. But John also had – this was a tough stage. John's like the fastest guy I know. Mm. He had 35 seconds left over. I see, yeah. It's a John. What are you speeding through this thing I for? did some dumb. It's like, oh, he's like, you're right. I yeah. know. I got a timer on my gun. There's no reason for and me to go this and fast. And normally I'm really good looking at it, and that's that's just me being – it's just rusty. I didn't look at it like I normally do. I usually look at it in the each position during movement, or if it's a five-position stage, I'll look at it around the second or third position, figure out if I'm halfway through. We had some six-position stages. Real easy to check it after the third position. And just And, and a lot time. of times I didn't. I would wait to the end, my last stage. I'd be moving. How much time do I have left? Oh, 35 seconds. You're an yeah. idiot. So and so here, I wasn't seeing stuff as good. And so it's just, again, I, I did some, I, a lot of things, you know, I'd get an 11 out of 12 and a 9 out of 10. And I'd still be like, great shooting. Yeah. It's just, still good there's, shooting. There's just it was one, not great shooting. Yeah. No, great still, shooting would have been 12 out of 12 because they weren't. I didn't miss because it was hard, tough. Yeah. I missed because I didn't. You know, take things do into account. I I, le- I know I left points on the table with that. So, but it's just a good lesson for me. It was a, it was a fun warm up. What was that? I don't know. Um, we just saw an alien on the Someone's side. Someone sitting road. in the ditch. Yeah, that was weird. Okay, here's something else too, guys. Um, a fun game that that I want you guys to play with your buddies. So John and I are watching our competitors, um, and we're you know ten yards back or whatever where all of our staging's at. Something that can get you guys to be better at seeing targets, better mm-hmm. at reading targets, watching targets move left to right, and calling it out to each other, whispering it to each other, pointing it to each other, whatever you want to do. Obviously, so the, you don't want the shooter to hear. Yeah, you don't want the shooter to hear. That that's not that. I mean, they're competitors, so you're not trying to yell it out. But what you're doing is you're really working on seeing that bullet fly and watching the target move. And if you do that, and I think John and I have had 95% success rate where we were both spot on. 
But what that's going to do is it's really going to help. It does. I was questioning what I was seeing a little bit. When you, if you shoot targets on straps, it's real easy to see which way they twist. But when they're on hangers, it's a little tougher. So I rule. Uh, there was one particular stage where I was seeing stuff. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm seeing this as good as I like. So I walked back by Jake. I was like, Jake, I need you. I was like, call, help me out here. And so we'd watch. I'd be we'd he, the guy would shoot and be like, hey, right, right and low. And Jake would like. And we sometimes we agree. Most time we agreed. Sometimes he'd see something different, and I'm trusting him pretty good. And because it would end up, he, then the guy would slip one off right. I'm like, I th- I thought he was a tenth right. Jake's like, no, I think he was two or three. But most of the time we had it right. But um, it, it's good because the way they rock on those hangers is a little tricky. It's quick, and they they'll snap back real quick. And anyway, um, I think that's that's one thing I've been thinking about and focusing on more and, and, and watching videos and trying to pay attention to plate rock. I'm just not, I haven't been reading plates like I want to, Yeah, which is so important now. It's super, super important because, yes, you're hitting the target, but really for the, for the margin of error that we want, you really need to be in the middle of that target. And so one question that John asked and, and, and we both agreed on is he said, okay, right there, w- would you switch that over if you were in the scope? And I said, yes, mm-hmm. I would come another tenth over to yep. the left. Yep. Based off of that shot, I would come a tenth over to the left. Now, the shooter that was shooting, he didn't, yep. and he pounded that same area again, yep. and then he went to the next one, he ended up missing it off and that see, same area. That's what I was going to say. If you're on a target, if you're on a, a decent-sized target and you're hitting a tenth or two off, to, off a center, it's fine. I mean, shoot it in the middle, great, but... If the wind, you're going to hit the target. What you need is to know that exact information to take it on to the next target. And the next, especially if it's a troop line, if you're a tenth off on the first target on a four or five target stage and you're going from 400 to 900, you really need to know you're a tenth off at 400 or you're going to be three, four, five, whatever off at the last one. So, and that's a miss. That's a giant. And that's where the guys, you know, that's where the best shooters, um, that's what they're seeing. They're seeing, they're carrying information from the first to the last. And that's that's how you get your points. Love so, it, love it. Anyway, so anyway, I think key. that's a pretty fun little game where you can you can do that, and you really don't have to, you know. It, it's just it's just good to practice. All those things are great for practice. And mm-hmm. if you can, the more bullets you see fly, the the better you're going to get. Yep. It's the more times you see a target rock one way or the other, the better you're going to get. I'm just jonesing for some one day, I and you want to shoot. I, let's I go. Much, let's go to Lead Farm. Too much stuff. I know too busy it's about halfway between us i'd say i want to go there anyway i've heard it's great so it is great it is great just watching plates so um well good stuff well yeah if we combine these two we're like an hour and a half or something but anyway um it was fun seeing a bunch of bunch of faces fun seeing new faces old faces shot with some some guys have been around a long time we had a great time um with some guys who shot for a long time and some new people as well some met some new guys today and uh, really good time. Props to uh, Brian and Seth. You guys did a great job. And um, I, yeah, well, I don't know. You got a bunch of matches. We'll keep talking. Um, anything else you want to say? We got some gold trigger techs. Do, do we have any left? Uh, we do. We have couple six left. or eight. Uh, Almost gone. Trigger tech diamond golds. Those are the VP. Um, we will get some more at some point, but uh, they are pretty backed up on, on those for us. And they really only make those for us, which thank you so much, you guys. That's that's pretty awesome. I I see a lot of golds in the field and a lot of gold triggers when we're shooting matches. 
it's it is pretty cool Listen, to see that that they're uh, I getting think you used. shoot better with a gold trigger I think. oh absolutely 100 percent. it's worth at least a point and a half i would think so so anyway so trigger tech diamonds that if you want to grab those vp precision yep right? yep uh, go there, check it out. And um, anyway, thanks for bearing with us. It's fun getting comments. Who goes over going to do podcasts? Like we we did what? He's like that was a month ago. You're like you're right. So you're we're, right. we're 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 doing it. It works good when we're on the road. So we appreciate you guys. A lot of good guys out there. PRS is competitive. It's super fun. It's where the best shooters in the world are, in my That's opinion. Right beat everybody else <laughs> i love it <laughs> we need right. to go prs against the world prs guys go to f class prs guys go to pinterest we need that's what we need to do so that was actually funny because there was some prs guys that did f class and they won like overall they won the thousand yard they won this oh really yeah that was uh that Dude. was Derek webster oh Derek, really Derek webster did some oh, f class stuff and I then I was talking to him. He's like, "Yeah, it was kind of easy." So I was like, "Okay, <laughs> dude, I just I think we need to do that because I've been here. I've been talking to guys in the hunting world, and their gunsmiths don't like this or don't like purists and all this." I was like, "Really?" I was like, "But I think just go do a bunch of different disciplines wherever you guys are at. And Love it. Show them what's up. You Love guys, it. you guys are killing it. So appreciate you guys. Toodles.